0: Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge
1: with the Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk. It's the Blue Gold Report. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of your Blue Gold Report, uh, your weekly listen to all things Notre Dame sports. I'm Todd Burlage, a writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated, Elkhart Truth, Associated Press, among other things. My co host and fearless leader, Rags, he is off. He's on vacation. He is out east with his lovely daughter visiting his father. Good for him. He's out in Jersey taking a little time off. Good for him. So I'm going to try to fly solo today. So I'll send your condolences after the show. We're going to go through some stuff. Uh, The dead period has arrived in recruiting, football recruiting, uh, but there is a big weekend in Dallas, Texas coming up here. We're going to continue our series of opponent previews. Um, We're going from worst to first, worst to best, I guess is a better way to put it. Ball State, we thought, was the worst opponent on the schedule last week. We're going to preview Vanderbilt this week. Got a funny transfer nugget, just uh, sort of a high number of transfers that Brian Kelly has Suffered through, I guess you'd say, during his tenure here. This is courtesy of Eric Hansen. It was something I read that was pretty interesting that I wanted to share. Eric Hansen of the South Bend Tribune pulled this one up. And finally, we're going to we're gonna talk to, uh, well, we're not going to talk to, him. I'm going to play an interview with Brian Pullian, uh, special teams coach. He was at Orchard Ridge Country Club in Fort Wayne here not too long ago um, as part of a golf outing with the Notre Dame Alumni Club. We're going to talk a little special teams. We did defense, was it last week, and offense the week before. We're going to talk a little special teams here. And then wrap it up with Brian Polian talking, uh, talking his stuff. Um, but as we always do, uh, we're brought to you by Dio McComan Sons. I would be remiss to men- not mention that. Dio McComan Sons funeral homes there in Fort Wayne. Uh, kind of interesting. I actually lived with a Dio McComan son funeral director for many years, and he was actually the best man at my wedding. So that hits a little bit close to home. Brought to you by Dio McComan Sons, and here we go. But we start every show, every show, even without rags, we start with your blue gold nuggets. Now, if I could just find them, we will be off and running here. Where was I going to start here? Kind of an interesting dynamic with NBC TV and Notre Dame. Uh, NBC has added a rules analyst. He's a former NFL referee. He was there for 20 years. He actually did some college work before that as well. Spent 20 years as an NFL ref. Did three Super Bowls, nine conference championship games. A gentleman by the name of Terry McCauley. More and more, this is becoming popular. A rules analyst. An analyst. A rules analyst. Sorry about that. A rules analyst. Terry McCauley will join the NBC team. He will do that for Thursday night NFL football on NBC. And he'll also be a rules analyst for Notre Dame games. So that's going to be kind of a more and more. These referees and their calls sort of fall under... Much scrutiny, and rightfully so, (laughs) in my opinion. uh, McCauley actually worked a couple national championship games as well in college. As I mentioned, three Super Bowls. So, nice little addition to the broadcast team there. Women's Hoops. Women's Hoops. The women, uh, Notre Dame National Championship women. They're up for three ESPY awards. These will be held on July 18th at the Microsoft Theater in downtown Los Angeles. They're up for three. Best Team best sports moment, and best sports play. I don't know how you really distinguish between best sports moment and best sports play, but anyhow, they're up for those three. The team, the best team, is the usual seven-pack. It's the Houston Astros, obviously MLB champs, Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl champs, USA Women's Hockey, gold medalists there, Villanova Hoops men's national champions, Golden State Warriors, NBA champions, and the Washington Capitals NHL champions. Uh, I'm looking at that. I think it might be hard to beat the Philadelphia Eagles for Notre Dame in that one. Uh, as far as best team, I would I, my, my bet would go to, I, I would have to pick the Eagles on that one. Best sports moment. Notre Dame is up against the Vikings beating the Saints. If you remember in that last play, of the divisional round, that was a very memorable play. The Golden Knights, Las Vegas Golden Knights advancing to the Stanley Cup final. In their first year, their inaugural season, that was pretty interesting too. And then number sixteen, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, number sixteen seeded there, beating number one Virginia, and then Notre Dame uh, winning the national championship against Mississippi State. I have to take UMBC on that one. A sixteen beaten one for the first time in college basketball history. I think I would go that route. And finally, best sports play. Um, this is a little bit different here. It's actually a sixteen. Team sort of tournament and Notre Dame's Arike ogumbowale her shot to beat Mississippi State in that final that's actually seeded number one among the 16 and you can vote on this fans can vote on this at www.espn.com slash espys espys uh, so her title clinching shot is the number one seed in this particular 16 team tournament that will vote, be voted on by fans I would take that one in a heartbeat for sure I think that's a no brainer Uh, This was kind of funny. This comes out of the state of Michigan. Back to football. Jumping around a little bit on you here. Um, A gentleman by the name of Sam Webb. He's a radio talk show host up there. And he uh, has a show on 1050 AM, WTKA, called the Michigan Insider. He covers all things Michigan sports. Um, He formulated a theory. He said he had heard this, that Notre Dame has been doing some dirty recruiting Interestingly, Rags mentioned last week that when it comes to head-on-head recruiting battles with Michigan and Notre Dame, Notre Dame has won 11 straight. So maybe there's something to this, but it's kind of funny. Here's the theory. Here's the theory that Sam Webb threw out there. Um, This is a a quote that I pulled from this story. Here's what he was told from a recruit on the dirty recruiting pitch. Quote, young man, this is what a Notre Dame coach said to said recruit. Young man, you got to be aware over there in Ann Arbor. Have you seen the crime rates in Detroit? Have you seen the murder rates, the violent crime rates in Detroit? It just might not be a safe environment in Ann Arbor. So he kind of called Notre Dame out on trying to pull the crime card. Uh, just for, you know what, and giggles, I looked it up. Detroit to Ann Arbor is 42 miles. I got to thinking South Bend in Chicago. Chicago's not exactly the cleanest city these days. It is 96 miles apart there, though, so a little bit closer proximity between Detroit and Ann Arbor, then South Bend and Chicago. Men's hoops, men's hoops, summer league stuff here. Where we all know the struggles that Bonzi Colson had with his injury. Well, he has signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers, their summer league team. They will play July 6th through 9th in Las Vegas, so he'll get a chance to showcase his stuff and try to make the full roster. And Matty Farrell, he signed with the Miami Heat. They're going to play in Sacramento July 2nd through 9th. And then also in Vegas, July 7th through 10th. Um, Obviously, it's a short trip there, so they can probably juggle both those destinations. Uh, Matty Farrell to Miami, Bonzi Colson to Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously, the goal here is to make the full roster. But if not, they have these two-way contracts, similar to what Demetrius Jackson has gone through, where you can play in the G League and uh, kind of the developmental league and go back and forth between the big clubs. So we wish both those guys well. They're two of my favorite players of all time that move through here. On more current news, or uh, when it comes to hoops, the Bahamas tour schedule. Notre Dame is going to play in the Bahamas. The current team, which is a great move, um, they, they get a chance to do this. I believe it's once every four years. You can take a foreign tour, if I'm not mistaken. There, um, they're going to take theirs this year in the Bahamas, August 8th through the 11th, and it's a it's a great thing for this particular group because keep in mind, folks, they have five freshmen coming in, and Juwan Durham will come eligible. Also, um, he's a transfer from UConn. So, boy, if you need all the extra practice and games you can get, this team certainly does. They'll play three games between that 8th and 11th stretch in August, like I mentioned, uh, for what it's worth, the IBA Elite, the MPBA All-Stars, and the Bahamas All-Stars. And these are all on Nassau Island. So uh, not a bad destination to land there. The preseason football magazines are coming out, and Notre Dame's obviously popping up on a lot of these, as they always do. Let's start with Phil Steels, who I consider the authority when it comes to preseason magazines. Um, he kind of teases his magazine has not officially been released yet but he put out some stuff on the internet as kind of a teaser. Um, he rated Notre Dame's how, how should I say this position groups that's the uh, position groups. He has them as the number 22 team in the country at quarterback number 22 at running back, number 46 at wide receiver that surprised me a little bit. that seems a little bit low. number eight offensive line. Number twenty-one defensive line, number thirteen linebacker, and number thirteen defensive back. I think the defensive back is a little bit low as well. Again, he does not have a team ranking yet for Notre Dame. I will get that to you when I get a get a hold of it. He does have Notre Dame reaching the Rose Bowl. Um, he does project that out in this teaser, uh, playing Boise State is sort of that uh, other six in uh, the best team of the. What I can't remember. We'll just call them the other six. Lindy's has Notre Dame ranked number twelve. Uh, he, we have Sam Mustaf the, the ranked as the number one center in the country, so obviously a first team all American on Lindy's list. Julian Love as the number two cornerback, so again a number one first team all American there. Let's see here, Street and Smith, which was formerly the Sporting News, has Notre Dame ranked number fourteen. They have offensive guard Alex Bars as a first team all American, and Athlon has Notre Dame as the number 15 team in the country. We'll see if all that holds up. We'll see if all that holds up and those are your blue gold nuggets. Let's stick with recruiting here. This is uh Notre Dame's been on quite a roll here. They've 15 for the class of 2019, which ranks them well, with this role they've been on, especially on defensive line and offensive line, they are ranked number three in the class according to 24 7 sports. I'm sorry, they are the number three class in the country at this point according to 24 7 sports. Probably fairly so, man. They are loading up on four stars. This is a big weekend. Um, it's called the opening, and anybody that's familiar with recruiting is familiar with the opening. It's, it used to be held out in Oregon at the Nike sort of headquarters. They've moved it to Dallas, Texas. It's still a Nike camp, but they moved it to Dallas, Texas. Probably to centralize the location a little bit and I don't know, maybe you get a little bit more pub by having people able to get there more than trying to get all the way out to Oregon to cover it. Two current recruits from the class of 2019 are participating verbal commitments that is Nana Osafo Mensah, he's a four-star defensive end, 6'4", 231. He can drive, he can make the trip by a car. He's from Fort Worth, Texas. And then Kyle Hamilton, a three-star safety, 6'3", 188 pounds from Atlanta, Georgia. Those are the two verbal commitments that are going to be participating in the opening this weekend. Notre Dame actually had five verbal commitments in this event last year, so uh, dropped a little bit there. Plenty of prospects, though, that are going to participate. These are prospects that Notre Dame is trying to chase down uncommitted dudes. Uh, Cornelius Johnson, he's a four-star Wide receiver, 6'3", 197. got to like that. High school kid, 6'3", 197 wide receiver. He's from Queen, Greenwich, Connecticut. He is a Notre Dame lean heavy. I think he will end up landing with the Irish. Aeneas DeCosmo. Let's try that. DeCosmo, I believe it is. He's a three-star, 6'3", 220 defensive end. Notre Dame is already loaded in this class, this 2019 class, along the defensive line, but you can never get too many, right, folks? Ordell, New Jersey. He is a Stanford lean, a slight Stanford lean at this point. Isaiah Rutherford, he's a four-star cornerback. He's 6'2", 170, Carmichael, California. He's a heavy USC lean, Um, so he's probably going to stay home, it looks like, but Notre Dame's going to do their best to lure him away. Tristan St. Clair, he's a four-star linebacker. He's 6'2", 209 pounds, from Danville, California. He's a slight Stanford lean at this point. Anytime you get that Stanford-Notre Dame connection, it's kind of interesting because uh, certainly you're talking about a bright kid uh, that has a lot of options. Moving on to Woody Washington. Woody Washington, he's a four-star cornerback. He's 5'11", 175, obviously has some growing to do. Murfreesboro, Tennessee, I'm a race fan, so uh, I'm familiar with Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He's a pretty heavy Oklahoma lean at this point, but again, you can never get too many cornerbacks. Notre kind of loading up uh, at that position, so I would say Woody Washington is probably heading to uh, Oklahoma. We'll have to wait and see. And the last one of the six guys that Notre Dame is really tracking down here that are going to be part of this. this uh, pro- you know what? This opening, the opening is such a big deal that the NFL Network is going to cover it. I, I almost left that out. But the last one is a four, another four-star cornerback, Max Williams. He's 5'8", 164 pounds. Obviously, he has a little bit of growing to do. Gardenia, California. He's going to go to USC, but Notre Dame wants to lure him away. We will see how that goes, Uh, but he certainly looks like he's heading to USC. So we will will track that in the coming weeks as recruiting will heat up again. The dead period is going on right now. I had the dates written down here somewhere, Uh, but I can't find them. I think it's about a – there it is – from June 25th to July 24th, that's the dead period. So we're, 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 we've fallen into that, where the coaches can make no contact whatsoever with their recruits. So we'll have to kind of wait and see what the recruits tell the newspapers and whatnot. We'll go from there. I wouldn't expect, if you're a Notre Dame fan, looking for commitments. I don't expect any for the next month or so. Could be wrong, for sure. Um, but this is kind of the time of year where the kids are, are showcasing their stuff at camps and that type of thing. Alright, we started it last week. We, we're going from worst, in my in my humble opinion, the worst team on the schedule and we're going to work our way up to the best team in the schedule and kind of preview what's going on here. I thought Ball State was the easiest team for Notre Dame on the schedule and I believe that Vanderbilt, which Notre Dame will play in week three on September 15th. I think this is the second uh, easiest opponent for Notre Dame. Notre Dame's played Vanderbilt twice. They had a Home and home in 95 and 96. In 96, it was a Thursday night opener. It was at Vanderbilt, and Notre Dame was ranked number six. This was Lou Holt's final season. Notre Dame was ranked number six. They had to rally in the fourth quarter for a 14 7 win, Um, and certainly nobody expected that. Notre Dame was supposed to roll in that game, and it didn't happen. It was on a Thursday night, as I mentioned and then the um before that was 96 the year earlier Notre Dame beat the Commodore's 41 to nothing at home at Notre Dame Stadium under Bob Davey who was actually filling in for Holtz. Uh, Holtz had neck surgery so Bob Davey was actually kind of an interim coach for that game and Notre Dame won 41 to nothing. When it comes to comparing recruiting classes, typically when you look go back to 2014 through the current ranks Vanderbilt hovers right around the 50 range, almost exactly. And they're 49, 47, 59, 57, 42. Meanwhile, Notre Dame's always in the top 15 through the, so obviously when you're talking about player quality, you would certainly think Notre Dame would hold the advantage there. Last year Vanderbilt got its it got a rude awakening. They started out 3 and 0 in its non-conference slate. Um they beat Middle Tennessee 28-6, Alabama A&M 42-0. And uh, actually beat Kansas State at home 14-7, which was a good win. And, and things were looking right uh, for the Commodores, for sure. Um, but then the SEC reality set in. Um, first game of conference play, guess who they got to play? Uh, it was at home to Alabama, and they got beat 59-0. 59-0. And another game, the defense was atrocious last year. They uh, Georgia scored 45 on them. Old Miss, 57. Kentucky, 44. Missouri, 45. Uh, and some of those were even at home. So Vanderbilt opened 0-7 in the SEC. Um, it ended up finishing 4-0 and outside of the F- SEC. Uh, it did beat Tennessee um, in the last game of the season, 42-24. My word. Tennessee went 0-8. My have the mighty have fallen. Similarly to Ball State, when we're talking about Vanderbilt, the Commodores are projected to finish last in the 17-SEC 17, the 17 East uh Derek Mason is in his fifth year here on the job and uh, might be his last year. He coached at Stanford, if you remember from 2010 to t- 2013 he was the defensive coordinator. Um, but his first four seasons here at Vanderbilt, three and nine, four and eight, six and seven, five and seven. Um, so 1831 overall, you know what's interesting is what what probably makes it even tougher on James Franklin or I'm sorry on Derek Mason is that James Franklin, now the Penn State coach he came from Vanderbilt um and he finished 9 and 4 and then the top 25 both in 2012 and 2013 something that's never happened before and probably will never happen again at Vanderbilt so um it looks like Derek Mason might very much be on the hot seat and he's making a lot of excuses here on top of everything else he's building in the fact that this group for the first time is made up of only his recruits okay None of us in the media like it when the coach pulls that card. Um, Brian Kelly has pulled it uh, after Manti Teo graduated, and Charlie Weiss pulled that card. Coaches always do, but it typically means that they're in trouble for sure. They're coming off a a lousy year. Um, They return four starters on defense, which doesn't sound like very many, but maybe that's the good news because that particular defense allowed 43.3 points per game last year um again they finished 1 and 7 in the SEC. Uh Charles White, he's back he, he had 9 sacks. Um and they they're shuffling the coaching staff around a little bit. Uh new defensive coordinator Jason Tarver. He was a, he was another Stanford guy in 2011. He's actually been coaching the Oakland Raiders defensively and he was a senior defensive assistant with the San Francisco 49ers the last couple of years, 3 years actually. Um, the, I guess a little bit of good news on offense for Vanderbilt. The, the entire starting offensive line returns, including, and the quarterback does, Kyle Shermer? He threw 26 touchdown passes last season, which actually did break a single-season school record that was set all the way back in 1982. So a little bit of good news, a veteran line and a quarterback, so maybe there's st- some stability on offense when it comes to exactly what's going on here, is Notre Dame going to be favored? Yeah, I, I would say Notre Dame's probably a three-touchdown favorite in this thing. Anytime you play in SEC school, probably shouldn't take them lightly. Um, but again, this, this, this there's no reason to think that Notre Dame can't get this done. And I think it's it's interesting to me because if you... Look at the start of this is week 3 this is game 3 for Notre Dame Vanderbilt is and if Notre Dame can beat Michigan in week 1 and then obviously they should beat Ball State in week 2 and then Vanderbilt in week you know, that, that would suggest if they can beat Michigan in week 1 it suggests they should be 3 and 0 with games against Ball State and Vanderbilt the two teams I think are the gimmies on this schedule actually the only true gimmies in my opinion if you can start three and zero, then you have a tough game at Wake Forest, and then home against Stanford, and then at Virginia Tech. So I think it's important for Notre Dame to get off to this three and zero start because really the schedule gets a little bit rugged from that point, no doubt about that. All right, where are we moving on here? Okay, this is courtesy of Eric Hansen, fine writer for the South Bend Tribune. Thought it was interesting because I was kind of actually I, I was kind of thinking about it. I wondered, it seems like there's a lot of transfers under Brian Kelly. It really does. And I, and I don't know if it's more or less than other schools. I don't pay as much attention to other schools. But then just as I was thinking that, a couple of days later, Eric Hansen put together this piece. He was able to catch up with Brian Kelly and, and got some quotes and, and whatnot. But I thought this, this was great. Um, th- this was really interesting investigative reporting, we'll call it. Okay, four pending Notre Dame transfers this year who have yet to find landing spots. Okay, if we include those, of the 170, 178 players Brian Kelly has recruited, 49 of them have transferred, which is kind of interesting. That's 27.5%, so more than one in four. That obviously doesn't include the 27-member freshman class. That would be pointless to do that. Eight wide receivers and seven cornerbacks, they lead the position groups. Um, and beyond kicking specialists, the kickers usually stick around and graduate and and, and, and finish their careers here. Offensive tackle, offensive tackle is the only position that has yet to transfer among Brian Kelly's recruits. And of those 49 transfers, obviously some of them got kicked out of school. You had disciplinary issues and whatnot, so they were sort of forced to transfer. But of those 49 transfers, only two of those guys, only two of those transfers, defensive defensive tackle, Eddie VanderDose, who ended up transferring to UCLA and Aaron Lynch who transferred to South Florida actually Vanderdose if you remember he he didn't even he transferred before he even played a down for Notre Dame but Vanderdose and Lynch they're the only two of those 49 to have any NFL experience well, I thought that was kind of interesting so it goes to show you you know the guys that stick around here the ones that are getting drafted to the NFL and doing great things I I, I guess it it you know it's logic it's logic if you you're transferring away from a place, chances are things aren't going well for you, so you're not maybe not NFL caliber at that point. Um, as Hanson mentions, it could be argued that in many cases, this roster turnover, these transfers have actually helped Brian Kelly upgrade his roster because it allows him to bring in larger recruiting classes, and I think that would be tough to argue with. Um, a lot of graduate transfers. You always get a couple every year out of Notre Dame. Meanwhile, the Irish have taken only four of these grad transfers, and only one of those. Florida, remember Cody Riggs? He came from Florida as a cornerback. He was a nice player, actually. Started 11 games in 2014. He's the only one that was really a significant contributor when it comes to Irish. Uh, Freddie Canteen, the wide receiver, uh, Cam Smith, another wide receiver, and Avery Sebastian, Who those guys were oft injured, um, so they weren't able to. Con- Uh, contribute uh, as much for sure. So I thought that was kind of interesting and I thought it would give uh, Eric Hansen a little bit of a shout out there. All right, we're going to move on to special teams. Everybody's favorite unit of the three. Nobody ever wants to talk about offense or defense. It's always about the special teams when it comes to Notre Dame, which really hasn't been very good for seems like decades now. Brian Pullian, he was in Fort Wayne at Orchard Ridge Country Club in a golf outing for the Notre Dame Alumni Club. I've actually golfed in that. I was, I was actually a speaker at that thing a few years back. My word, no wonder turnout was low. Um, but Brian Pullian was in town. This is one of my all-time favorite assistant coaches at Notre Dame. He is the coolest guy. He is down to earth. He's just kind of one of those guys that if you had a chance to go have a beer with a dude, Brian Pullian would be the guy you'd want to have. A, he's well-spoken, and I'm going to actually play the interview that he gave. It's about a seven-minute interview After, well, actually, it was before the tournament, though, where he touches on a variety of subjects everything from recruiting to what's going on with special teams to what his mission is for his unit. He's the first to admit when he came here, uh, when he came here in 2017, last year was his first year back. He's the first to admit that this was a barn fire. The special teams were absolutely awful, and he didn't expect a quick fix. Notre Dame was near the bottom of the pack in almost every single category when it came to special teams statistics. I mean, they were awful. And he came in, and, and he didn't expect a one-year turnaround. I mean, keep in mind, 2016, Notre Dame gave up five special teams touchdowns. I mean, that pretty much sums it up. That was that lousy 3-8 and eight season. Um, so, Brian Pullian came in and said, you know what, it's not going to be a quick fix. There's no way we can do it. Brian Kelly bought into Brian Plan where we're, you know, what we need to play some of our better athletes, some of our starters have until we can get our roster upgraded and deeper, which that's been the mission. I think it's coming along very nicely. Until we can get to that point where we can play these young guys, we can put these freshmen in that are great athletes, we're gonna have to put some of our starters on special teams. We have no choice, okay? And it paid off a little bit, okay? I mentioned the five special team TDs given up in 2016. None last year, and so that was that. That was a step in the right direction. Um, they ranked 106th nationally in net punting in 16. Okay, that's out of 129 teams, so that's darn near the bottom of the barrel. They improved all the way to 64th last fall. So in 2017, a huge jump there. Both the kickoff defense, which has really been lousy for a long time, it wasn't a whole heck of a lot better last year, but it was a little bit better. They were 95th, 95 in 16. 91st last season, so at least trending in the right direction. And then punt return defense, which has also been atrocious. They were 123rd, again, out of 129. 123rd in 2016, they jumped to 82nd. So we're not exactly talking about, when you're looking at just a overview of the statistics, we're not talking about great stuff here by any stretch of the imagination. But you do like the way they're trending, and they are starting to make some good plays. As a matter of fact, Brian Pullian said... You know what? Last year the mission was in 2017. Let's just not give up big plays. Let's not be the barn that's burning down. Just do no harm. Just hold your own. You know, we'll worry about making big plays at a later date. But our goal to start here, our 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 first step here is to not give up the big plays. And I I think he did stop the bleeding a little bit. And I think that was an important. And I he's he's an excellent coach. He really is. his time as a head coach at Nevada didn't exactly go as planned. We can we, we know that, but he loved coming back. I can't believe he was gone from Notre Dame for five years. Um, that, that, that was surprising to me that it had been that long. But he's a masterful recruiter. He's full of energy. He doesn't mind. You know, He's the guy that brought Manti Teo here by traveling to Hawaii about once every other week. I mean, that was a lot of work to bring, uh, to bring Teo here. A lot of travel and he's all in. He's all in. He's an energetic guy. He's a young guy. He's a smart guy. He's going to get another chance to be a head coach someday. And I love that he's here and I think you're going to see continued strides on the special teams. What Pullion talked about too, there were a couple a uh, couple games that stuck out to him. The Citrus Bowl, I mean keep in mind Justin Yoon made kicks of 46 and 49 yards. That was a three a 4-point win for Notre Dame, 21-17. So, a couple big kicks there by Yoon, or, or Notre Dame doesn't win that game. Again, 46 yards and 49 yards. So, that was important. And then when Notre Dame trounced USC 49 14 last year, Tyler Newsom, the punter, now I mentioned the the, the punning, they were 106 in 16, and then last year jumped all the way to 64. Tyler Newsom pinned the Trojans inside the 20 a couple different times, uh, which forced USC into long drives. And then, uh, I remember one, uh, Drew Tranquil, Fort Wayne dude, uh, he recovered one on a fumble on a pump return, uh, which helped Notre Dame's cause. So that was a play that was sort of set up by, you know, I mean, that, that's that, I guess that sums up some special teams work right there. When Newsom pins USC down, they have to go all the way downfield and then, and then they have to kick it away and then Notre Dame forces a fumble there. So I think Pullian's point and my point is that they made some big plays last year. Okay, they they weren't game changing plays necessarily, but they sort of flipped the script on what was going on, and I think that's what was totally necessary for Notre Dame uh, to have happen on special teams. I, I don't know what it's been under Brian Kelly. It seems like he's tried everything. You know, he even went and talked to Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots and, and tried to get some advice on special teams there. It just hasn't clicked. I don't know, but I think bringing Brian Pullian back will certainly put the special teams in, in good hands. And uh, so you know what? Let's pop. This is from Orchard Ridge Country Club. Uh, this was a golf outing that Pullian was in. It's about a seven-minute interview, and he touches on a lot of topics.
0: The Notre Dame clubs is, is a very important part of our recruiting pitch, to be honest with you, to be able to talk to a recruit about – 270 alumni clubs worldwide um, and that the power of that network is incredibly valuable to us and and to uh, be involved with these clubs and and develop these relationships so when uh, when I was asked to come down and do it as long as it fit the schedule it was really important to to be out here and to be a part of it
1: how strong is the alumni and the recruiting here in Northeast Indiana?
0: It's incredibly important. It's incredibly important wherever we recruit uh, being able to help these kids understand that the power of this this network, the power of this brand and how far reaching it is. For us in particular though in the state it always starts at home and and for us to to make sure that we're recruiting the top guys in the state first uh, and for them to understand what what the degree is going to mean in terms of their life beyond football. That's where the, the alumni clubs come in, and it's it's a huge selling point for us, there's no doubt.
2: Coach, Obviously. you have the luxury of having Justin Yoon and Tyler Newsom in your kicking game. As a head coach, because you've been a head coach, how does that... Uh, you don't have to be concerned with them. How does that help your offense and defensive strategy
0: in the middle of a game? Oh, there's no doubt that it's impactful. And I would I would throw John Shannon into that sure. as well because um, nobody appreciates a specialist until you don't have one. Right, when you right. don't have one, then it becomes a problem. And and I think I can't speak uh, about names directly, but you can see that we addressed sure. that yeah. in recruiting here in the last week or so. Um <laughs> Hopefully I get this downwind today. Um, it gives us, we have a sense of security in, offensively in terms of our ability to flip the field. Uh, I, I, think, uh, I think you only have to look uh, no farther than the bowl game. Uh, Justin Yoon makes two 47 yard plus field goals. The LSU kids missed two chip shots. And that really is the difference in the game because it keeps us, it keeps us within one score uh... for a long time I, I think uh... those guys are incredibly valuable and we've been very lucky to to inherit two good veterans um, i love i love both kids uh... their demeanor their makeup they're fun to work with
2: well newsom's a captain i mean that says it all uh... From it, the punter position
0: yeah and it's a little bit unusual but if if you're around us every day uh... people i think raised an eyebrow when a punter got elected a captain but if you're around us every day it's not shocking at all, because he, he embodies all the traits that Coach Kelly's looking for. Uh, he's an excellent leader, and, and we're lucky to have him.
2: And educate me on the kickoff change, the rule change, and how that's going to impact the game this year. It,
0: it, it's uh, really the only major change at the college level is now if you choose to fair catch a ball in the field of play, it will be moved out to the 25-yard line. If you fair catch it beyond the 25, they're trying to encourage more fair catches. When the when the touchback was moved out to the 25, um, people with really good kickers said, "All right, we're not going to give up those five yards. We're going to hang the ball up into the air, make you field it on the eight, and yeah. and we're going to we're going to surround you and tackle you before you get out there." Um, I would like to see us eventually, I'm very intrigued with what the NFL's doing. And uh, I talked to a bunch of peers at that level and I think what they're doing might be the answer in terms of taking away double teams, taking away those high-speed collisions, turning it more uh, turning the play more into a punt return, where it's a one-on-one athletic play in space. I I hope that we'll study that at the college game and I think eventually we will. Um, You know, I've been in in conversations with, with, um, with Coach Barry and people at the AFCA and and uh, they've been kind enough to include me in some of these conversations, and and hopefully we'll keep studying it and keep evolving. The one thing for certain is I don't want the play to go away. I want it to be safer. Everybody does, but I don't want the play to go away. I hope there's a, a way for us to fix it.
2: Now you're the recruiting coordinator. Uh, some of these freshmen, like Lindsay or Moala, some some of these guys going to impact the special teams this fall.
0: I certainly hope so. Uh, Who it's going to be, you never know. Uh, I'm not sure anybody last year looked at Isaiah Robertson and said, boy, that guy's going to be an impact player as a freshman, yet he was a four-unit special teams player. Uh, Jordan Jen Markeith was a four-unit special teams player and a very good one. Um, I I think Moala specifically, I'm very excited to get to work with him. Um, What Paul might need to catch up on in terms of uh, playing the game of football and, and getting caught up to our level. Uh, I, I think his athletic ability translates pretty quickly to the, yeah. to the kicking game, not only as a returner, but also as a cover guy. So, uh, And then there are guys that, you know, I am so excited to see uh, Alohi Gilman. This year, who had to sit last year due to the transfer, and how impactful he's going to be for us. So, there's a lot of new faces that we, we're very excited to get them on campus. Our vets reported last night our freshmen will be here in two weeks, and um, this is an exciting time.
2: Malwalla may be your most efficient recruit of all time. I mean, it took you about two and a half minutes to get
0: over to his high school. Yeah. <laughs> and and then you know what it it was uh it was him driving us for a campus really what solidified we didn't even have to leave campus but no it goes back to um keep if you got something close to home you got you got to do it there first and 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 look we i mean we know who's here I mean, and and uh, recruiting's a long way away from being done. We're we're constantly working the process, but um, our our fans in the state need to understand we, we we always start at home first. That's incredibly important to Coach Kelly and to our program. And um, you know, we'll we'll make sure every guy in the state that needs to be evaluated gets a thorough evaluation. Well, what are you
2: trying to improve most upon?
0: <laughs> Sorry, what are you trying to
2: improve most upon from year one to year two in your time back here?
0: Um. Well, from a football standpoint, last year was, uh, for lack of a better term, we got to stop the bleeding. We had given up five special teams touchdowns the year before. Um, I didn't think it was going to be possible to be go from um, one end to the spectrum to the other in, in less than 12 months. My goal last year was to do no harm. We we had to we had to stop making the mistakes that were costing us football games, and I think we did that. Um, now we need to take the next step. We need to, instead of being a negative impact on the game, we need to find a way to have a positive impact. We made some big plays last year. The the, the fumble recovery against USC off the punt. Uh, you know, Justin banging the two big field goals against LSU. Uh, there were moments in big games where uh, you might look at our kickoff coverage numbers and say they're pretty average, but there were moments in big games. We tackle USC inside the 20 a couple times where I felt like we stepped up
1: in big moments. Well, folks, that wraps it up. Looks like I survived solo, flying solo here without my fearless leader, Rags. He will be back next week. Thanks again for listening. I'm brought to you by D.O. McComan Sons. I hope you enjoy the show, and we will return same time, same place next week. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opt In Productions.
2: Podcasts by Federated
0: Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.